Hello and welcome back to In Conversation with Dave Morris and Jason Geary. I'm Jason Geary. Dave Morris, hello. Hello, Jason Geary. I'm Dave Morris. Uh, good to hear your voice. We're going to be in conversation today. Always. In conversation as often as possible. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the last episode of the podcast, which was a departure for us. It was us improvising uh, uh, the format of Zoom. Uh, we're happy with how it turned out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if uh, We only popped it up a couple of days ago, uh, about a week ago now when this goes up. So uh, do let us know what you thought of us. Uh, reach out and, uh, and uh, let us know. Because it'll be interesting. Uh, I've never done it before, and I'm I'm keen for some feedback. Yeah, me too. I'd love to hear what people think. Uh, it was uh, it was it was an interest. It was a unique experience for sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, and a lot of fun. But I don't know if it's fun to listen to. That's the thing. With yeah, you know that no you weren't idea. there. You, they weren't there, so they don't know how fun it was. So uh, yeah, I'm really keen for feedback. So please offer it up if you manage to hear it, uh, and if it is something that people enjoy, maybe we can look into doing it some more. Who knows? Yeah, maybe every fifth episode or something. Yeah, uh, every fourth, every third. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we uh, we're doing some Q and A today, but we're going to try something a little different. We got a couple of big questions that we're going to try and like dive into for a little longer. Yes. Uh, and that might just be the whole episode. And then if we have time, we have a few smaller questions that we'll bust out at the end. Uh, bust out. <laughs> like, bust check out. these questions out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but the first question, Jason, is mostly just from us to each other. Yeah. Is what's the deal with improv companies closing down? This is just like, what's going on? I know that uh, we were just discussing before we went to air that uh, IO has just shut down. Uh, UCB shut down very early in the pandemic. Kind of like they were just waiting for something to get out, really. <laughs> and it seems like it seems like IO fought for a bit longer, uh, and then uh, we're just uh, and then Shana herself was like, "I just don't have the energy to build it back up again after this." So, uh, and she left a huge, very strong community behind. Uh, some of which I've been in touch with, and uh, and they are kind of um, rallying already to try to you know make something else happen oh, um, after after the the transition kind of uh, closes out but yeah great great big shame that some of the bigger companies uh, around the world are, are, are suffering and you can only imagine if the bigger companies are suffering like that yeah. then then smaller companies must be uh, hurting as well that's the thing I'm kind of scared now I'm like oh man if like when UCB shut down I was like oh no that's it improv's done like if they can't survive this yeah uh, but of course they're in New York where I rent is like I assume the highest anything can possibly be uh, yeah and then uh, IO's done and also now too. where like, uh, which is an epicenter of, of of the pandemic as well in New York as well oh um, yeah so they were so, hit hardest too yeah, yeah. So it's like if the two biggest companies can't survive this, I don't. I, I'm like, what's next? Is so where's the new macro of improv going to be? I have no idea, man. Where's it? Where's it going to be? Uh, I think. I think maybe this is the. Maybe this is it. This is the time for small towns to rise up and yeah. just conquer improv because they have theaters. <laughs> yeah. How's how's everything in Melbourne? Anything closing down yet? Uh, not that I wear, uh, not that I'm aware of. I, I I haven't been in touch with the people uh, who run spaces here uh, in recent times. So I do know that they were worried when the their um, when their theatre spaces have to shut down. Most of the dedicated improv spaces here in Melbourne are you know sixty seat theatres. Um, a couple of rooms, small spaces, uh, run workshops in them early in the week and shows later in the week. Uh, and, you know, I, th I think they run on a very similar model as, as, uh, 
you know, a lot of the companies around the world have based themselves on that kind of IO model um, of, you know, on volunteering and uh, and and all, all those kind of levels. So um, I, I think the the model is churning people through your system, uh, and if those people aren't there, then it's uh, aren't there to volunteer to keep it running to to keep it going. Um, I don't know how it, it's going to sustain itself. Um, the smaller companies I know that are are kind of seeing things through are ones that don't uh, aren't committed to spaces. Um, so I haven't heard anything about uh, Melbourne spaces closing, and fingers crossed that they don't. Um, and and we have a place places to go back to and perform at. Um, and uh, so as as I said before, I'm not technically aligned with any uh, uh, company here in Melbourne, but I work with all of them um, and uh, and enjoy aspects and privileges of of working with uh, uh, many of the different companies here in Melbourne. Um, so you know I'll do what I can to to help and support, but I I haven't dipped into uh, that that side of it in recent weeks um, to uh, to yeah, find out how things I, are actually going. I mean, I will say this is one of the few times in my life that I've been thankful that I don't oh have a space anymore because I used to run a space yeah. here in Victoria, and if this happened when I was running a space, I I don't know I I would be just done. I don't know I couldn't I couldn't yeah. afford that overhead every every month without any income. Uh, and so even if I was doing online classes to try and supplement it and stuff, it's just this huge weight just. Just yeah. dragging you down. So I get it. I, I get it. Uh, I feel the pain of all the companies around the world still trying to run theaters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even when they do open up now, like like just looking at running shows here in Victoria, we're we're doing pretty good against the virus. Like we're we're winning, I would say, or at least keeping it at bay. But um, but still, even then, like social distancing measures being put in place, like theaters have to be half full at most, kind of thing. Maybe even yep. smaller crowds. That it's like I don't even know if I had a theater I could open up with social distancing measures and still make money. Like it's such a yeah. it's such a thin margin that yep. I just don't see that. I, I I feel for everyone running a space right now. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it's 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 all based on quantity, you know, uh, and and getting people through the doors, and the margins are so thin that you've got to have you know four shows a night, and they've got to you know be selling really well and all that kind of stuff to to for people to break even, and then they you know they're probably just not breaking even on shows; they're breaking even on what they're selling at the bars. But here in Victoria, we've uh, Victoria, Australia, um, where Melbourne is located, uh, we've just taken a big step backwards. Uh, we they relaxed uh, a bunch of um, things, social distancing. Everyone just went fuck yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it turns out that uh, because we've been allowed to gather in our homes with bigger groups, we've had just outbreaks everywhere in families because families are getting together but not social distancing, um, and so now we have. Uh, in Melbourne, they've instigated hotspots that you're not allowed. To, so they haven't shut down the whole city, but, um, yeah. they've taken, they've wound back, um, they've wound back the things from, uh, level three back to level two for everyone. And then they've gone, don't go to these places around Melbourne because it's a hotspot. Oh, um, geez. so yeah. it's, yeah. And, and one of those places was where I'm teaching, it was supposed to be teaching drama tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so I got a call from the school. Going, uh, you know, that first class we were going to have back in person, it's not on. Um, no. So, uh, which brings us to one of the questions I saw, which is how do we teach improv over Zoom? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one of the smaller uh, questions we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's teaching over Zoom. Yeah. So, 
teaching via Zoom. This is a, just a question that I've I've stolen from just improv chat rooms all over the place because yep. it seems to be something else on everyone's mind. Uh, I've done a little bit of it. Uh, I think you've done more than me, probably. Most of mine's been corporate training stuff. But yeah, teaching I've done via a Zoom, term, a uh, term of uh, of drama teaching like a like I teach at a, a musical kind of uh school where the students are you know doing dance theater um musical theater kind of stuff so I teach the improv course there and uh and and yeah so I've taught a whole t- course over this term and it's been it's been interesting I've had to be inventive with the way I've used it um I've had to rely on breakout rooms quite a bit um uh in in working with larger groups groups of kind of 12 or 15 uh I've been breaking them out into smaller groups and then coming together to share work uh towards the end of the the mm-hmm. time of the class um and uh yeah it's it's been it's been difficult but it's been I've been able to get something done <laughs> you know yeah i think that's that's true i've been getting i've been getting things done with people that make them feel good and creative and energized mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell if i'm teaching them any good valuable improv skills i mean i mm. I, I think that okay valuable stage skills like yes. i've done i've been doing half and half i've been doing a few improv classes here and there and then i've been doing some just uh i, I teach at a private school here and i do a class called creativity with dave morris because that's the kind of school it is and i just yeah. do whatever i want uh and that has been okay because i can just do whatever i want so i don't have to focus on improvising where you need to be connecting with people we can just mm-hmm. write or do film stuff or you know like make music and share with each other and we can just do whatever we want and those work fine uh, cause the, I can choose the, 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 the outcome, the, the product based on the medium, as opposed mm-hmm. to improv where I'm like, what like, are we trying to teach people how to perform on stage here? Cause that, this isn't the best place to do that. Or am I just trying yeah. to teach them how to, to, to commute, like talk in improv that I can do, but it's, is that, is that what the, what we're supposed to be teaching? It's a very strange experience still. Yeah, I, right at the start with my uh, with my students, I, I was uh, panicking, kind of like uh, many were. If you look at Facebook forums and and things like that, <laughs> going, "What the hell am I going to do?" So I actually pivoted into sketch comedy for for six weeks, just mm-hmm. writing and drafting and 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 doing all that sort of stuff. And then we moved back into improv because by that stage, I, I'd seen a few things. I'd, I'd I had conversations with people, and what I uh, spent kind of four weeks working on really was. Uh, uh, active listening for subtext. Um, so, so using, uh, using the time where you can't, you know, use physical offers really. You can see a little bit of it, but, but generally you're dealing with voice and head and shoulders and, and face. So, um, so trying to get people to listen for what's, what's being said, uh, then, uh, then listen for what, what they think that means, uh, and then responding to what they think that means rather than what's being said. Um, so trying to, to kind of dig up the, the, the subtext of the scene. Um, so it becomes text or it becomes a, lo- a little more valuable. Um, so we get out of that loop of just kind of talking at a, um, you know, a, yeah. at an unimportant level about trivial things. Yeah, and I think that's something that, that you can do pretty good on Zoom where you're teaching like one skill 
more yeah. almost like lecturing about it, explaining it a bunch, getting them to try yeah. it a little bit. Um, but you're talking about like that, um, what is it? Listen, interpret, feel, react type of stuff, yeah. right? Like that kind of thing. Like that, that, yeah. that works well because you're teaching like that very in-depth tool. The word, the where I get worried, worried, maybe that's not the right word, where I get terrified. No, wait, that's not the right word. Either. <laughs> where, where I, um, where I fall apart is, uh, beginners. So imagine, yeah. imagine you are going to your first improv class and it is, on your computer in your room with a bunch of strangers you've never met before. You yeah. only see their faces or like maybe you see their rooms. Uh, and the teacher who you've never met before is just <laughs> one of the many windows. Like it, it's, it seems like such a strange way to be introduced to improvising for the first time. You're nervous yeah. already. All those fears and jitters and so much of that, like putting people at ease and comforting and making it fun and, and relaxed way more way more natural in person right where you have body yeah. language right and you and everyone starts to relax and then you see everyone relaxing so you relax but when you're just seeing their face in a window it's hard so i i, I worry about doing that like we're, we're just starting to plan for the fall here doing classes via mm-hmm. zoom because because i i don't think uh i don't think the social distancing measures are really going to be um relaxed enough to do any real in-person classes yet yeah. uh, in the fall. So I'm planning to do some online classes. And I'm the, but the line that I keep hitting is like, what about beginner? Like, do you do a level one class online? What do you think? Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, I think it's very hard because, I mean, you know, as a teacher and other people listening to this might have uh, had the, the gift of being able to teach classes as well. But as a teacher, you're looking for so much more than just the exercise. You're looking for how people are, at, are reacting to each other, mm-hmm. uh, the dynamic in the room, people's body language, uh, a whole bunch of other things physically that inform you as a teacher, not just how people are influencing, because you can see that. But, you know, uh, if they need a little more uh, support um, uh, just in, in, in getting up and doing stuff and, and and that's really hard to read when you're looking at, you know, 15 different faces on a screen. Mm-hmm. I, I find it's easier to lose those people a little bit more, the people who are happy to just kind of be there and not uh, – and, and go along with the flow. At, at, and if I'm in class and I see that happening, uh, uh, you know, the, I'll, I'll support those people into being a little more active and I'll be able to feel that. And, and when, when the groups are working in groups – um, I'll be able to see that dynamic and I'll be able to see a group that maybe needs a little bit of help. But, you know, you break out rooms on 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 uh, Zoom, you you're basically, you, you can't kind of hover around the group. You can't see how the dynamic is. You literally have to crash in with your big, bald face in front <laughs> of everyone and they all stop talking immediately as soon as you come in the room and you're like, There's keep no going, listening. keep working. Yeah, yeah listening and, in. Hmm. and so I think it, it's just hard to. It's, I think it's easier for for those little things that we pick up on as teachers, those those smaller signals uh, to to keep people engaged. It's just harder to monitor all those things when you've got you know ten to to fifteen people up on the the screen in front of you, or you've sent them off into breakout rooms and you're checking up on the breakout rooms, but you can't really kind of stand on one side of the room and, and listen or watch the other side of the room yeah. as well. Yeah. So uh, that kind of dynamic, I think, is really hard to, to monitor. So you have to be more 
uh, I think aggressive is the wrong word, but it seems, you know, more, more aggressive because you're crashing into things or you're, you're, you, uh, have to literally call someone out in front of everyone else to go, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come rather than, you know, subtly being able to kind of sidle over and go, hey. you can like send people private messages and stuff to yeah. be like, Hey, just a quick note about that. But then you're assuming they read it. You don't know if they like, are they yeah. capable? Are they the kind of person that reads the chat messages? Like there seems so many things you need to like specify before you just, just uh, get away with those kinds of simple things. Uh, um, yeah. Look, yeah, I like, think it's possible. I think if you, uh, Find something that you can really macro into, particularly verbal skills, um, with, with Zoom. Uh, but again, these aren't great for, uh, you know, uh, 101 classes. These are, are good for, you know, 201301s or, or a little more advanced. Yeah. I mean, um, I have done some, some like corporate training stuff where it's all beginners and I yep. have found that in those cases, I'm just like, I just go like I'm just yep. doing a show basically for people and I'm send mm-hmm. send them off into breakout rooms they come back I'm like all right how was that let's do it again and I just keep going but I'm not doing any real follow up to see how they did and actually get yeah. corrections because it's a one off class that's more for like corporate communication and bringing people together I'm not there yeah. to like actually teach them these improv skills in, in yep. depth like that and I can't cuz there's like 60 of them on a Zoom call so I'm just like yeah and those, I mean, those are fine, but I don't feel like I'm a good teacher in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because I think what we rely on as teachers, uh, the, a lot of the senses that we rely on as teachers in the room are stripped away on a, on a video call. There's so much uh, about the energy of the room, about the flow of things, about, uh, you know, even sometimes when you describe something, you can feel the energy of people on their toes or on their heels and, and you might need an extra couple of minutes, but you can't sense that um, through the screen. So I think it magnifies the difficulty. Um, I've found the best thing for me, uh, in teaching and, and most of my teaching is with experienced students is to focus on one thing very clearly, um, and, and, and really kind of drill down into it and see how that affects mm-hmm. the work as a whole. Um, and so that's, that's been my, um, that's been my thing. And on, on, uh, and look on my lazy days as well, <laughs> I, I've just gone, all right, uh, we've got a, a, an hour and a half class. You can spend an hour coming, improvising, coming up with stuff, rehearsing a little bit, <laughs> and then we'll show each other at the end, you know? So just giving them some time to come up with some characters and, and kind of merge their sketch comedy skills with with improv um so um yeah it's it's been interesting um and uh but yeah i i can't i i was so chuffed to get back into the room tomorrow and uh as it turns out the whole they've just gone everyone go on holidays because it's uh, it's about uh the mid-year holidays here as well um so they're taking an extra week of holidays and 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 now and taking it out of the september holidays mm, to make yeah. up with it yeah, yeah. so so hopefully wow, cool next all right term. well that was, uh, that was a good warm-up question because now we're getting yeah. our, our big question of the day so so i was uh, i went out uh, last week and uh, and was asking some uh some improvisers that i respect and admire if they had any questions they'd like that they'd like us to discuss that we could maybe get a little deeper into uh mm-hmm. deep divey questions so uh this question we'll see how long it does i think it might do us for this whole rest of this episode who knows uh it's from uh it's from jacob bannigan uh so for those of you who don't know who jacob bannigan is i'll give you a quick little description of him he's a canadian improviser living in austria 
and teaching yes. and performing improv around Europe. Uh, and he actually started in the 90s with uh, Rapid Fire in Edmonton. And that was where I met him was through Rapid Fire in Edmonton. Uh, and- I first met Jacob 2006 in Vienna. Um, uh, with, when, uh, I was, uh, uh, with the English lovers at, uh, and Jim Libby and, uh, performing with those guys when I was doing a European tour over there. Well, how funny that you met him in Austria and I met him in Canada. Hmm. <laughs> Although I, I think when we first actually, uh, spent a lot of time, like getting to know each other, we were in Berlin. So it's, it's right. weird like, yeah, yeah. How, how improv relationships form. Um, but, uh, wonderful improviser, incredibly inspiring and incredible yes. to watch. Uh, and here's the question that he had for me, uh, for us was, uh, does your love of improv sabotage you sometimes? For example, having trouble planning for the future, gagging inappropriately, saying yes to too many things, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So I'll just say one more time. uh, The main question is, does your love of improv sabotage you sometimes? Uh, What do you think? Uh, All the time. Yeah, all the time. All right, next question. No, I'm. (laughs) I'd like to dig into that a little bit more because I think it is interesting because it is a uh, uh, and I I always talk about how much improvisers are better people than other people, but uh, there are things that come with being an improviser that do uh, change the way you look at things and approach things and feel about things, which may actually make (laughs) make uh, make certain situations less comfortable or less uh less productive should be yes well i mean first off uh it's uh people have to get used to working with me <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> of normies i guess uh you know uh, people in business and stuff like that because i i i'm quite often they'll be looking for assurances and i'll just be going it'll be okay i've got <laughs> yeah. it we've got it you know what i mean and and so um so you, you I kind of, <laughs> I kind of lean towards just going. Yep, yep. We've got our, we've got. I know what the parameters are. I know what the work is. I know we can do it, or I can do it, or, or uh, our company can do it. It'll be fine. And so uh, I think, I, I think people, I maybe unrealistically expect people to just be fine with stuff that that they deserve more concrete kind of answers to. And I'm yeah. like, yep. It'll it'll be it'll be great. No, it'll be fine. And and nine out of ten times, it does work out fine. And uh, and everything's everything's fantastic. Um, but sometimes you get that relationship where that's definitely not enough. Where you find that person who's on the complete other end of the spectrum that you've been teamed up to work with in an organization or on a project or something that needs everything written, listed, done. Yeah. Uh, and you find yourself paired up with someone like that and. And that's a frustration for us both. Um, but uh, I, I will constantly, in many of the things I do, be err on the side of it'll be fine. We'll get it done. It, it, it'll be. It'll work out okay. I agree. I've I've worked in um, a few places where, with other people who who like to have like um like timelines of everything that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Where they have like at eight o'clock we do this. At eight ten we do this. Eight fifteen we do this. And co teaching in environments like that where they yeah. have like we do this exercise here and then this one here and then this one. Then we'll do break and then we'll do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. But they have it by time. And I'm like, well, you know, why don't we just see how long this actually takes? Like maybe they'll be really into it and it'll take longer. And I'm much more <laughs> pushed towards this more flexible scheduling of yep. things. 
uh, and focus more on like, what are we trying to get out of this? Oh, we're trying to teach them this. Okay, well, let's start here and then we'll see how that goes. And then we'll make decisions yep. in the room where we can like, you know, while they're doing this exercise, I'll lean over to you and be like, this seems to be going well. We should do another round of this. You know, like that's that's the way I, I like to read the room to do things. And not everyone's like that. I think that's a yes. that's a that's a huge key is, is working with other people can sometimes be um, be be stressful for them. When I started teaching uh, for improv companies that had a syllabus uh, and uh, and wanted everything come out, uh, covered, you know, in order on this day they do this and then this day mm-hmm. they do this. I don't teach that way. I teach much much more like you from the gut. And I uh, and so people would check in who I was teaching for with me throughout the term, and they go, "Have you covered this off?" And I'm well, like, not yet. I actually switched this and this, <laughs> and uh, I haven't covered that yet. But but. Trust me, by the end, they're going to know everything in your syllabus. They'll get yeah. there. But, uh, you know, I'm very much a follow-your-nose kind of guy with, with teaching as well. Um, and I, I, and sometimes I'll start with their syllabus and go, uh, actually, the group is is naturally erring towards this, which may be later in the syllabus. So I'm not going to kind of corral them and, and go, actually, go this way. We'll get to that later. I'm go- I'll let them get to that now as the enthusiasm and the clarity kind of, of comes. And I'll say, all right, now we know this. Let's, let's see how it circles back to this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I've, I, I've had several talking to's <laughs> over the journey, I guess, uh, is the nicest way to put it where people are like, just do it how it's written. Um, and, and I prefer to, to kind of follow the impulse and, and, uh, and, and follow the energy in the room. For sure. Um, as, far as, as far as paper street classes go, just so everybody knows level one is pretty tight. Like it's a pretty tight for classes. Like it's cause it's such a small introduction to improv. And I yep. taught it so many times that I just kind of have like, this is what I do. Boom, 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 boom. Sometimes you swap a game out depending on the room and stuff, but mostly it's like, boom, this, like yep. the same games in the same order. Uh, but then once it, once I hit level two, it's like, who knows what's going to happen, man? We'll see yep. who's there. We'll see who's in the room. We'll see how these people feel. I know it's going to mostly be scene work. Like that's what, yeah. that's what we're going to do and games and stuff. That's, that's what I know. So, uh, but what games? I don't know until I get there. Yeah, uh, and I, I like that, but of course that is possibly uh, maybe that is a, a form of sabotage because like uh, I do see it with like some students get to like level four or something, and uh, I'm like, well, you know, like that game, and I mention a game that sometimes I play in level two, and they don't know it because they didn't, they weren't in there, right? Uh, yeah. And not everyone was there for it, so it does kind of hit me. Like, I shoot myself in the foot, I guess, with this like. Uh, like, like, oh, it would be a, it would be nice to have taught everybody the same things. Same thing, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but I don't want to teach everybody the same things because they don't need to know <laughs> the same things. Like they are, they learn differently. Yeah, so that's definitely yeah. one one sabotagey thing about uh, being an improviser. Yeah, and that and that transfers to to yeah business relationships as well, I guess. <laughs> you know that kind of thing where where I'm more on that. Uh, it'll be fine, fly by the seat of your pants thing, just because I see the offer there and I know that I can do the work uh, and I know I can get it done by the deadline. Um, and you know, people might check in along the way and go, "How's it going?" And I'm like, "Well, good. It's going great." <laughs> Well, wait, whoa, offer whoa, more not for, specifics. It's not for it's not for two more weeks. What are you talking about? Yeah. I haven't even thought about it yet. <laughs> and it's not to say that I do all the work at the last minute, um, but uh, but I I know that when that when that crunch time is there, or when I bring myself to sit and focus and work, that the work 
comes. You know what yeah. I mean? And and uh, or nine out of ten times it does. And so it's um yeah, it's that thing of of uh, uh probably leaning on that crutch of just because I know what it feels like to to improvise. I know what it feels like to be at that precipice of uh, is it going to succeed or fail? Um, and so. Just, I, I think I operate in general more closely to that line mm-hmm. than other people prefer, mm-hmm. um, and and I, and I'm probably blind or blinkered to those preferences, um, and and could be more flexible in terms of meeting in the middle, I guess. But I'm used to flirting with that line in most things that I do, um, and so it's uh, yeah, it's. It, 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 that can be a, a drawback, I think. Um, getting used to that, it'll be okay. I've yeah, got this. It, yeah. I and I, I think, um, I think it's. I mean, honestly, I think it's a better way to approach things. Yeah, <laughs> but not everyone approaches it that way, and so uh, to to that that's what makes it difficult is that other people find it difficult to work with. But it's never done me wrong in a moment like of 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 work like when i go to show up to do the gig or teach the thing or or whatever the the the, the work is i nail it like i do great yeah. i do fine and the person's like wow you're really good i'm like oh, you know yeah. i am an improviser and actually to to counter one thing you said i find it works better for me in business because in business with businesses they know i'm an improviser and so yeah. when i tell them like don't worry about it i'm an improviser We'll be yeah. fine. And they're like, so what are you going to do on the day? It's like, improvise. And then yeah. all the, like, you can say that to them and they go, ha, 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 nice. Uh, but when working with like other artists, I think is where it freaks them out a little bit. Yeah. Like if you're working with, with, uh, um, not even, not other improvisers, just actors or anybody. And you're like, yeah, I'll do it on the day. And they're like, what? You, yeah. you haven't practiced? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon uh, probably one, one in, in kind of 10. Business gigs, I reckon that's cost me. You know what I mean? Like in the setup to it or when I'm pitching or going, yeah, it, it'll be okay. Like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Here's what we can deliver. Um, and uh, and them going, all right, well, you know, can you guarantee this, this, and this? And I go, no, but it'll happen, you know. <laughs> what do you <laughs> and, mean guarantee? Uh, what guarantee yeah. <laughs> is an interesting word when it comes to improvising. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's it, uh, – it's one of those things where uh, I, I guess I reckon like one in ten, like cold call kind of first uh, first impression um, people who have heard about us from other people who have been in training sessions with us uh, and and have that first contact. Uh, I reckon probably one in ten have have not called back, just gone. It's a little too nebulous for mm. for us. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I, I think. Um yeah, so other other places it sabotages uh, getting away from business gigs because yeah. you know we'd like to book some in the future, um, <laughs> but uh, other places it sabotages. I think there is another place for me, which is anytime I'm doing something that requires, uh, I mean, to 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 put it uh, poetically, words that stay. Right? Anytime I'm doing anything that involves writing or or permanence, yeah. permanence, I I don't do as well as soon as it's like this is the script and these are the words that are going to be said i i I write it and i go nah it could be better and then i because i never feel like it's as as good as it is because now i have time to think about it and if Mm -hmm. i'm gonna spend time thinking about it it better be perfect because like this is one of my things (laughs) with watching theater most of the time 
is I'll watch a play and I'll be like, somebody wrote this play and then other people read it and then other people directed it and acted in it and built these sets and spent thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars on it. And it's still not very good. Like I have improvised shows that are better than this. Not all of them, but sometimes. (laughs) And, and you put, you spent like years of your life on this piece. Uh, and so as soon as I start writing something, I'm like, oh man, this has got to be good. Cause otherwise, yeah. should, why am I writing it? And so it does freeze me up a little bit. Uh, I do break through it most of the time, but it is like, there's that definite, like, I feel like I, it's, it's, I'm, a, I'm my own worst enemy there. Yeah. That, that's where the, the dictionary of moments started for me was trying to infuse my improv skills into my writing so it didn't it didn't clog me up so i'd I'd just get a word uh use that as a as a prompt and and try to 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 get a few stories out a week just to to try to one uh uh, hit that bar but also not make that bar at an impossible level for myself Mm. um so so it, it could flow and that's paying off now with uh, with the stories that I'm writing for, uh, for this short story collection, um, for the city of Melbourne. But it's, it is a, um, it, it's a skill that I had to learn as well because I, I was the same. Yeah. And it's um, that, it's that deadline thing that like the, the, sh- the longer the deadline is, the harder it is for me to do anything. But it seems yeah. like, cause I used to do things for myself to get through this, say, exact problem was like, I would, I would say, I would declare I'm going to write an album in a week. Yeah, and then I would write an album of like ten songs in a week and have it recorded and handed to the person that I declared that to, just to yep. get myself to write some stuff because that that yep. pushes me. And some of them are okay, and some of them are fine. A couple of them are really good, and that's that's enough, right? But it just gets me through that those those like kind of impossible challenges. I'm like, all right, let's yeah. do this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree, I agree, and 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 uh, it, I, I think I push. Not push, but uh, pressure deadlines uh, uh, a little more than others are, are comfortable with. You know what I mean? Like, like I've uh, I've had uh, a month and a half on this book already, and and rather than being uh, in a three month process, rather than being half the way through, I'm a third of the way through, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so uh, and and I know exactly how much work I've got left to do. Um, and, and the stories are, uh, are living and changing and, and, and growing in my mind, uh, as well as on the paper. And so it's, um, you know, I've got to allow, I think I've got to allow the space, I guess, as an improviser to see the story before I write it down. Uh, I want to know what the, the, what the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of my writing for this sort of stuff still isn't even into, making pretty words and sentences it's it's structuring it's allowing myself to dream it's finding the magic in the stories those kind of things but that's that's sitting down and actually writing is where the 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 pressure of the deadlines kind of comes in and i i guess that's true of a lot of people but uh but i think i'm just because of uh, it'll be okay and i know it's in there uh attitude that i have uh, i'd probably push that a little further than most <laughs> yeah sure me too <laughs> <I> mean, 
<laughs> yeah, I, yeah. When I used to write spoken word poetry, I would like uh, and go to slams more, more, all the time. Uh, I would like the day before the slam be like, oh, that would be an interesting idea for a poem. And then I would write it either like right then on paper or sometimes even just like I would just say it out loud and just like play around with it in my head. And I've written a few poems just in my head. Yeah, and then I go. I would go on stage and perform them the next night, and they were. And some of my one of my most favorite poems I ever wrote, I wrote in my head, standing there, just saying to myself. Uh, and it was like that's that's just it's that thing of being an improviser where like I like playing with stuff, you know, I like throwing it out there, seeing if it sticks, just tossing it around, and then yep. whatever's there is there. And that that ability to edit and think just slows me down. Yeah, and and when you look at paper, I mean, I, I I try to transfer that to the paper. That's why the the moments have been so useful for me is to allow myself to play with the pen in hand and see where where that goes, and I'll allow that to live and stay on the the paper rather than me get to the end of it and go, all right, uh, oh, well, I can make this better. Delete that. Delete that. Delete that. And that's not to say I don't yeah. redraft my moments, but I, I which I do, but I try just to to keep the moment and the playfulness uh, on the page with the pen. Um, and, and a lot of times it's because I know the, the, the story as well. I've taken the time to go, oh, here's the word. Oh, here's a story that I want to write about this little moment. And, and I feel it before I uh, uh, put the boundaries there before I start playing mm-hmm. um, with the pen. But, yeah, I think I push, I, I, I'd push those deadlines uh, more than, than others. Here's somewhere else that I think – uh, is probably a little more frustrating for others than, okay. <laughs> than my, than myself is, is, um, kind of, I guess the same kind of attitude, but with, uh, with more kind of close personal relationships. And some of my close personal relationships with other improvisers and we get it, you know, we get yeah. that, 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 that it, it's kind of, uh, a looser, uh, kind of thing. But, uh, uh some of my other, uh, dear friendships aren't based in, um, in improv land. And so they often see me, uh, as, as flaky or unresponsive mm. or, um, or, or it comes in, in ebbs and waves and, uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, and again, it's not intentional. It doesn't mean that I'm not liking you or loving you because I'm not chatting with you, but it's, it, for me, quite often, there's uh like a, a a singular point of focus that uh, that I'm that I'm working on uh and if if others are outside of that uh that then they just dip away for a little and then I'm like I come back in I'm like oh I, okay I've got to make sure I keep this plate spinning and 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 talk to this person and um and so there are times where I've kind of dropped off the radar for people and in my mind it's uh in my mind it's It'll be fine because when we get back to it, we'll just get back to it, yeah. like 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 where we left off, and uh, and often in their mind that it's a whole different thing, and I've got to keep reminding myself that um, that those things don't stay in stasis with other people yeah. like they do in my brain. There is something about that, uh, and and maybe that is an improviser thing—that ability to just like. Uh, I don't, this is going to sound terrible, but that ability to just like let somebody go for a while yeah. and then, and then welcome them back in like they're your best friend again. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very good at saying goodbye to people. And actually I remember, I think it might've been the second time we hung out together, uh, when you came in, up to Victoria for, uh, to do fat city with us. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and it was like you're heading off to the airport or something going down to wherever you were going. And we was just like, all right, man. Well, Hey, see you later. And we were both like, yeah, see you, man. 
And then yeah. just kind of, it was just like, it was like, like, like we're going to see each other tomorrow or something, even though it's yeah. like, you're, you're next time I see you, who knows, could be like, I, I don't think I've seen you since actually. Now that I think about it. Um, I don't think we did. No. Um, so it's like, it's like a, it, but, but it's one of those, um, it's going to happen. And when it does, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and that's what I feel like because a lot of my relationships are like that as well, particularly with other improvisers around the world in in the space that we occupy. Is I feel like those goodbyes, uh, you know, they may those goodbyes and hellos are years apart, but uh, you know, it's just like I saw you yesterday, you know, and and it's been a couple of years, and some of my friends who aren't in that mindset. Uh, you know, I think that affects the friendship sometimes when, when you realize that, oh no, I've, they feel like in my brain, I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, cool. See you soon. And a see you soon for them is a, uh, is, is a much different see you soon for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, and I think that's because when I improvise, regardless of who I'm working with, playing with, I can walk into a room with someone I haven't seen for a while and I'm right back connected with them again and, 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 and really living in that moment. And um, so I never feel the disconnection. I only feel the potential connection, if you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, yeah. And and I think that that gets in the way sometimes. I think some people feel that uh, that uh, when when I'm when I'm blinkered or, or or looking somewhere else and and not really considering uh, you know th- that particular person. It's not because I don't like them or I've lost interest or I don't want to manage the friendship or anything like that. It's because in my mind I've just kind of hung it up and it's like. It's it's fine. We'll come back to it when we come back to it. It'll be it'll be peachy. Uh, and so I had to. I've had to realize that it does make us sound very cold. Uh, yeah, but we are not. Just for the record, yeah, we love people very, very, very. Oh, I love I love people yeah. and I love all my friends. But I had to realize that myself. Like that's a realization I've had that that I think has come from improv. Is the the connections while they're happening are so strong, uh, so present. Uh, are, are so there that uh, I, I got to realize that that's not the same for everyone, you know. Yeah, um, and you know, I think there's something else that I've been, uh, I've, I've, I've uh, maybe not gotten in trouble for, but I feel like it, it is not um, helping my relationships. Where uh, I, I have fun all the time, uh, just about wherever I am, I can yeah. be having a great time. So I don't have like a preference to one place or another. And if I'm sitting outside on a patio in the summer talking with people and there's a whole party happening inside, I don't care about that party. This right yeah. here is the best place to be. And then yeah. afterwards people are like, you didn't even come inside once. And I was like, yeah, well, I was having a really great time. Why would I go? <laughs> and like, it's, it's just like, this was just as good as that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. and like, I, I like to make fun and, and have fun in the moment where I am instead of trying to like go make sure I get to the better thing. I'm like, nah, that thing's yeah, not yeah. better. That's not better. This is just as good. Uh, <laughs> and so like, I, I feel like I, I've been, I've been, I, I've not, I haven't, I, it hasn't ruined anything, but it's definitely been a, a brought up to me a couple of times that I, yeah. that I don't, that I just, I value everything too similarly, I guess. I yeah. Know. And most, most of the, most of the feedback I get about this kind of stuff is my response is, Oh shit. No. Oh, 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 sorry, no! Like I didn't mean it that way, and and it's often me just kind of wildly apologizing and I trying never, to explain. I, I just say, yeah, you're boring. That's why <laughs> you were not as exciting as this patio. Uh. And so, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I think that's another thing. I think you know, just with kind of interpersonal relationships, is is because 
I'm used to having a, a very narrow focus on one thing and, and it being very intense, uh, that, that if you do drop into that periphery every once in a while, um, that it can feel like I'm, I've just left. Yeah. Know? And you know, the other place, uh, speaking of a joke I just made there, um, I think, and I don't know if this is, I, I don't know if I would tie this entirely to improv, but maybe, maybe it, it's loosely tied. It's definitely a comedy thing. And we, we spend a lot of time in the comedy world. Uh, and I know we make a distinction between improv and comedy and most people don't, but, uh, that the, the, the comedy aspect of things that I like to make jokes. Uh, I make jokes in real life more than I do on stage, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I like to laugh. I like to make jokes. And sometimes I make jokes that, uh, Maybe not everyone knows is a joke when I make it, and they like what? Yep. And then I'm like, come on! And then they think about it for a second, they laugh. Uh, and I'll and I, and I joke a lot, and I and I joke in situations where maybe you shouldn't joke. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like it's hard. It's not hard. okay. Sometimes it's hard to turn off the yeah, voice. Well, sometimes I don't take things seriously because yeah. I'm having too much fun, right? And it's like yeah. uh, <laughs> I've got like when my sister and I were spreading my father's ashes, <laughs> I was making jokes. Like that's yeah. the kind of jokes I do. Uh, and it's how I live in the world. How I, how I float to the world. I think it's, I don't think you, I think you're, you're totally fine to be sad and laughing. And yeah. I don't think laughing takes away from the sadness and, and yeah. diminishes it. I think it just enriches that moment uh, and helps us all be sad and lighthearted together. Right. So, so I make jokes in situations like that when maybe I shouldn't. And sometimes I know that I shouldn't, so I don't. Right. Like I can see, like, mm, yeah. my mother in law is not going to appreciate a joke right now. So I'm going to let this one go. <laughs> but I'm thinking of the joke because yeah. I couldn't not think about the joke. But and then I remember to tell Missy later, my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. Quite often, it's just that voice that's in your head, and it's you know, you can't help but see the humorous thing there, um, whether it whether it's born from a, a sad situation or a situation where you can't. Uh, you're sitting in a business meeting or something like that with a bunch of <laughs> lawyers or, or, or things like that. And sometimes they slip out and sometimes you get a big laugh from the room and it, it, where they didn't expect to laugh. And, and sometimes you, it's like a brick has just fallen out of your mouth and hit the, <laughs> yeah. hit the center of the table and everyone just looks in shock and moves on. But yeah, yeah I think, uh, and I don't know if that's an improviser thing or just a, 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 a kind of, comedy thing i guess i don't know you there know, is where- like an improv aspect to it though because like it's that it's that my my mind is always looking for the connections right connections so, yeah so like i yeah. see a connection between two things and this one happens to be funny so i gotta say it and i'll be like in a gro- in a lineup at a grocery store and the person in yeah. front of me says something and then i just reply to their thing with a joke yeah and they laugh and the person I'm standing with is horrified that I would say that to a yeah. stranger. And I was like, they got it. It was a joke. Come on. That was funny. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that's it. It's that always looking at things through that improv uh, lens. And I think that's that, that cliche about improvisers and how we're always playing games and we can't not play yeah. games. Like in a bar, someone spills their drink and then everyone's like, oh, whoops, oops, oh, no, yeah. whoops. And then we all start <laughs> spilling our drinks. And it's like, we can't not see the patterns. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that maybe gets us into a little bit of... Uh, sabotages maybe maybe not even i don't know what do you think is that a sabotage but i i no i don't think it is i mean again it depends on who you're with like it's it's if you're with people who are on the complete other end of the spectrum then you're going to to shock and uh uh and 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 uh 
make them disappointed or 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 have them kind of alarmed or or or, or judging you or, or things like that. But generally, it's only people on, who are on the other end of the spectrum. There's 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 a different way that other people are going to react, and generally. You know, if people know you, and sometimes that's not the case, sometimes they don't, or they've just met you, and they hear a joke that is not necessarily inappropriate in in, in what it's saying, but maybe surprising in its tone and uh, and and you know position in the conversation, then yeah. they're gonna laugh. <laughs> they're gonna laugh and 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 kind of come along. And sometimes it can it can soften someone's attitude towards you, and they are. On board from then on, and sometimes it can make someone just so rigid <laughs> and and like you you just turn it on, and you've got no control over how people react to that stuff. Yeah, and then there's also that aspect of it where it's like you you know exactly what the wrong thing to say is in the situation, right? Yes, uh, yep. and then you say that because it's funny to say that thing that you're not supposed to say in the situation and yeah. some people get it and they realize oh it's Dave he's a, he's a joke he's an improviser I get it and other yeah. people are like that's not funny don't joke about that you're like damn yeah. it I, was just, I know I obviously don't think that I was just saying it because you set me up for this perfect moment and I could say I mean, no, you do look fat and they're like what am I and like, it was a joke like, <laughs> my, I, I still have to manage that with my family I have two teenage daughters <laughs> one's an adult <laughs> And I still make jokes where they just look at me and storm off. And I'm like, it's a joke. What are you doing? Assume everything is a joke. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Oh, man. And then people do say, and then then you get that other backlash. This is that other thing, I think, where we sabotage ourselves uh, is then people say, um, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're joking. Yeah. Even when you're not joking, Uh, especially when you're not joking. And so oftentimes I just say, I'm never joking. But of course, that's that's a joke too. <laughs> yeah, so you get sort of stuck in that little, um, yeah. It's it's hard to turn it off kind of thing, which I think is yeah. here's here's I say, here what I say is the the sabotage thing that every improviser has ever has all experienced is that you're the improv guy or improv yeah. girl or that improviser, uh, yeah. that kooky improv person, uh, and you it's it's hard to break out of that category once you put yourself mm-hmm. into it, right? And so then you show up at a, a poetry show wanting to do a poem. And everyone's like, oh, here's that improv guy. It's going to be a yeah. funny poem. And now you're stuck in that that uh, that mold. Yeah, and I have a backlash against that as well. Like as soon as I hear that, you know, somewhere, oh, you're the comedian or you're, you're an improv guy. It's just like uh, you're going to be funny. And as soon as that happens, I'm like, clam up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I do. I do a lot of chasing the the serious stuff. That's what, what yeah. I do because I, I I try to break that mold every chance I get. Like yeah, like playing. I played in bands. I play guitar. I played music. I, I I've sung in choirs. I do I do poetry. Like I do everything as well as this improv thing so yeah, that yeah. I can break out of that mold. But still, man, still people see you show up somewhere and they're like, "Hey, you're gonna be funny." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just, I'm a storyteller. I'm here to tell a story <laughs> about my grandmother. Thank you very much. It's still going to be funny, though, right? And of course, it's going to be funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess, uh, I guess the the sabotaging is just kind of being a, a little closer to the loose loose side of things, a little closer to the "it'll be okay" in the moment kind of. Yeah, thing. and not not falling into the um, the standard sort of planning things out that most people do. Right, that's what yep. makes us special, and it's yeah. also what bothers people about us. Uh, yep. But I guess also uh, sabotages us a little bit too. 
There's one other thing here that I think is an interesting thing about that, that Jacob says at the end of his, it was one part of his examples. He says, saying yes to too many things. Is that mm-hmm. something you're plagued by? Do you get plagued by this? This You, you, you want to say yes. You want to accept. You want to be positive. Someone says, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do this? Work with me. I got this gig. Uh, did you like that movie? And you're just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. You just want to say yes to things to, to be positive. Does that happen? I've, I've learned in the last 10 years to stop that. But, uh, but for the first kind of 15 years of, of, of kind of being an improviser land, it was, it, it was, it's always to say yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and always to push. And now it's a more considered thing of, uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, and sometimes it, it is an immediate yes, depending on the people, depending on the project. Um, and, and if a few of those line up at the same time, maybe there's a bit too much happening at once. Uh, but I've also learned to say to not have that to be my automatic response because mm-hmm. I found myself in positions where I've said yes and, and down the track regretted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and regretted it to the point to the detriment of my mental health or my physical health. And, uh, and so over the last kind of five to 10 years, I've learned to go, actually, let me think about it. Or thank you for thinking of me in this thing, but it's, this isn't right for me right now. Um, and, and so I think it did for a long time. Uh, but as I've grown older slash wiser, um, in uh, air quotes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've learned to to uh, pick my battles uh, and my projects and my and my passions because I know that it's been hard. I've gotten into positions where it's been hard to manage those sort of things. So there be more things now where I, and I feel fucking terrible every time I say no to something like this. People yeah. come with a generous thing and and I'm like, oh, look, I just don't think it's right for me right now. And thank you so much and maybe a project down the track, but right now I can't do this. And for the day that I say no, I feel the worst, hmm. but I know that I'm not going to feel bad for six weeks of the project um, or, yeah. or things like that. I'm, I'm and with I, you, yeah. I, I, w- I was definitely in that saying yes all the time mode for a while. Uh, so yeah. you were going to say one more thing. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's what, that's what I was just going to round out saying. And that's the lesson that I've learned from saying yes all the time, from being stuck in that mode. Cause I think I was, I was just like, yep, 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 yep. And, uh, and eventually it kind of caught up with me, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely was in that same mode for a long time where I would just say yes to everything that came across because I wanted to be included. I wanted to please people. I wanted to, to yeah. be a part of projects. Uh, and then as I got older, I just got too too much stuff that I was doing. So like I had to start yeah. saying no to things. Uh, and it was hard at first. And then, but then at the same time, I've started like finding the things that I like more. So I get an offer mm. for something and I can look at it and go like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Hold yeah. on. Do wait. I don't. No, I'm just going to say no. Uh but even when I say no, it's it's most often followed by uh but here's some things I can do to help you in this project, right? Yeah. Cuz I still want to help and make their that make them uh, uh make the project as good as I can make it, but I'm like I can't do it, but you know who would be great? This person would be great. Talk to them yeah. or try these people. Uh and I think the 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 place that hits me hardest, this this yes, this this is more in the idea of like trying to be positive to things and positive keep positive relationships with people. And mm-hmm. so like they'll they'll ask me something and I'll be like, "Yeah, of course, sure. Let's let's talk about that more." Uh and then like we talk about it more and then I'm like, "Oh, that's not going to 
be a good thing in the end yeah and then i have to say no to it after starting it off so positively and i yeah. feel i've always feel terrible when i do those types of moves um but i think yeah i think i've just learned more and more as i've gotten older that no is is sometimes the nicest thing you can do for somebody is to just yeah and sometimes no. it's the nicest thing you can do for yourself as well yeah definitely and and and, and, and only it's the nicest thing you can do for somebody because as you move forward, you're not going to be there 100%. You're going to, you're going to have 70% of your foot in the door because there's going to be that part of you that's like, I wish I had said no to this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and sometimes your 100% is only, you know, deep inside 70% because, because you're kind of, you know, you're regretting it. Or sometimes, uh, in those situations in the past, I regret it from the moment I leave my house till I arrive at the place and then I'm 100% there and then I drive away going, oh, I'll have to do this next time or, or whatever. And so it doesn't mean that people get less, but I, yeah, I've, as I've gotten busier, as I've gotten older, I've learned to respect my gut on things a bit more, uh, and, and, and reserve my, my enthusiastic yeah. blind kind of yeses. Yeah. Um, and then also, there's also the, the good fallback for people out there who are, who are struggling with this. You can always say yes and then just put a really high price on it. Yeah. So that even if you don't want to do it, at least yep. you're like, well, I'm making 40 grand. Like that's yep. whatever your price happens to be. I have just absolutely done that. It. And that I've is a way that it's that. a it's a yes, but only for this. I can't I can't just do it for the for the joy of this one, just because yep. there's so much going on, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have absolutely done that. This is some of the worst gigs that I'll talk about off air, but <laughs> it's like three day hosting gigs and MC gigs and stuff like that for for big bank international banking yeah. things and stuff like that, where I've gone. Okay, I can do this, but here's what it's going to cost price, you. you know? It's a yeah. pain in my butt. Yeah, and they don't. They, uh, I mean, big companies like that don't often say no as well. They were like, "Oh, okay, sure." <laughs> and it's like, "Okay," yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but cool. uh, yeah, I think I think that's a, a, a nice thing to take away and remind people of as well. But for me, I'm talking about the you know people who work with you or see your work or are inspired by your work, and they come up and they say, "Hey, I've got this idea or this project. You know, can you jump on board and can you help?" And and yeah, my gut instinct is I want to. But uh, I've got to measure it against what I can do uh, uh, yeah. now and what I can manage. Um, which yeah, is I think a, the, a other, little... <laughs> the other place this has hit me, this saying yes to too many things, is in things where I say yes to things that I may not be qualified to do in any way. Yes. But I believe <laughs> yeah. in myself. Like yeah. someone will be like, hey, can you build a website for me by next week? I'm like, eh, I'd probably do that. Yeah, and then I do it, but it's like the most stressful. Like I'm yeah. working so hard because I have all realize all these other things that I've got going on, and this is taking up all my time. Uh, so I've found myself in those strange situations where I agree to something that now I have to learn how to edit movies. Yeah. <laughs> and, go to go to the YouTube University. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, as an improviser, this is where our skills come in handy. We can pull that off. We yeah. shouldn't always, though. That's the thing I think I've learned is that now when someone says, do you know somebody who can blah, 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 not to yeah. say, I could probably do that, <laughs> and yeah. to say, no, I don't actually know anyone who does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had my fair share of that kind of work as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> the problem with being you know, an improviser and able to adapt and try different things is you, you end up saying yes to things that you're not. It's like, yeah. I could. I reckon I could do that. Why am I building a porch? What? What did I get myself into here? I don't know how to do this. Well, I can Google it. 
Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I think that's good there. I think we should um, we should uh, hit another small question or two. I think we've got time for another small one. We have a couple other big ones here that we're going to hit in the next episodes. But uh, here's another here's another little one. Uh, we'll do we'll do this in this order. Yeah. What's the hardest, most creative, most fun thing you've seen a team attempt? On yeah. State? Um, I, I, I go back to, and I may have talked about this in the past. I'm not sure. I was very lucky to, uh, go to reunion Island for, uh, improv <sighs> festival, uh, with King Sam and, um, oh, it's paradise. Like it's I, been, I was invited and I couldn't go the time that uh, invited me. And then, uh, and then now we're in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was one of the times that maybe Rick and I were going to be there too. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and he, they did some late night shows, um, and, uh, him and an uh, illustrator did a show, two musicians, it was an hour long improv show and it was, uh, an illustrator, um, painting just with, uh, ink, uh, with grays and, and black, uh, and, uh, and so the illustrator would, was projected up on the walls and the improvisers were improvising music. Uh, and mm. they would just jam with each other and the illustrator, uh, would just in simple cells, uh, paint so you could see him paint. And he painted a story of a, a beautiful little, uh, person who went up to a, um, cliff face and then a cloud came down and, and he caught the cloud and floated up above. And it was this most beautiful story and the most beautiful music. And it was, it was just an hour of completely moving stuff. And, and we, the whole room was in tears by the end of it. And, and, uh, it was the most unexpected and adventurous thing I've, I've ever seen. Mm. And it was a couple of different art forms that I'd never seen in improv as well. Um, and it still remains to this day, the most daring improv show that, uh, that I, as soon as I heard about, it, I was like, wow, this could be really interesting or it could be, you know, uh, it could Terrible. just fall flat. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just beautiful. Wow. Like it was okay. just amazing. And, and, uh, and at no point did, did I leave the story and it was fascinating to see the images take shape in front of you and then, and, and continue this beautiful little story on the musicians were so in sync. Um, it was just great. And so, uh, and I've seen a lot of kind of daring theatrical kind of things as well, but that's the thing that really stands out in improv is something using different mediums and different art forms, um, to, to tell a story that, that, um, that, uh, that was completely in the moment and had in a late night show, like caught to 12, I think it started and it went to, uh, caught it, you know, caught to one in the morning and not a dry eye in the house, not a yawn, mm. not a single, everyone was engaged. It was absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't have any story as beautiful as that one. Um, I think I've seen a lot of creative stuff on stage, uh, but. But uh, for this one, I think like hardest, most fun thing I've seen is team attempt on stage. Uh, those always go bad when I see people trying yes. to do things that are really hard. So I'll tell one of those because the one that I remember is is terrible. It was uh, it was a team. I'm not going to say who or where, but they were doing a, a format where they were eating hot sauce throughout the scene. <laughs> and so they had crackers and they've had like a whole bunch of different hot sauces and they would put it on the cracker and they would eat the cracker and then continue the scene. Uh-huh. Right. So already this is hard and supposed to be fun. 
but I always have a I have a bad reaction anytime I feel see people torturing themselves on stage. I'm like, this is yep. not good entertainment. I should stop them from doing this. <laughs> to be like the ethical thing is to stop them here. Yeah. But uh but everyone's laughing and I'm sitting in the back like, oh, just squirming. And then one of the guys was like, It'll be funny to just do a whole bunch right at the beginning. So he starts like just Pour it, putting so much hot sauce right. in his mouth right at the top of the show and then all the other guys do and then the whole thing was them just like having trouble like speaking and breathing on stage yep. and it was just incredibly painful so I'm, I'm not a fan of, of just attempting hard creative things for the sake of it but if you can do something uh, beautiful with it then yeah. yeah that's great I love that kind of stuff like what you described sounds like incredible to me uh, but yeah this was there's a lot I see mostly the opposite so I'm gonna yeah yeah uh, okay, I, then, I agree. A lot of the daring things for me should stay on the rehearsal room floor rather than yeah. get to the stage, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, uh, let's do this last question. One last this little simple question. Uh, and this is just a, a standard question that people ask all the time. Uh, for To me, what's the deal with uh, books about improv? What should I read? What should I ignore? What are your improv book recommendations? We haven't talked about uh, this on the show. Yeah, look, I, 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 I peruse improv books. Like I've read Keith's stuff, uh, Improv for Storytellers and Impro. Uh, other books since then, I've had to skim throughs, but I don't read a lot of improv books. I, I take a lot of improv workshops. I absorb, uh, uh, I absorb uh, from what I play in different schools and different styles. But to to be honest, I, I I'd rather read. Uh, storytelling books and mm-hmm. uh, and how other books uh, I've mentioned Robert McKee's story and stuff like that. I, I'd rather sharpen those skills that apply to improv. Um, and uh, and so uh, yeah, I haven't read a, a a shit ton of stuff. I've read I've read you know um, uh, uh, T J and Dave's book. You know I've I've yeah. gone through uh, um, Truth in Comedy. Um, all of those kind of stock standard kind of ones, uh, or or practitioners that have interested me, but I am far from uh, the person who reads every single improv book that comes out. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have travelled a bit. I'm lucky enough to have met a lot of people who have worked with people who have written books or taught, you know, um, specifically things from those books. Um, and so I feel like I've absorbed. Um, particular things and the other thing that i worry about with uh with that kind of thing is people getting the this is how it has to be done mindset from reading one particular book uh and then another book might contrast that and it doesn't kind of make sense to them Mm -hmm. or they they write off a particular style because it's not the first thing that they've exposed themselves to Mm -hmm. um and so yeah so look i'm not a hugely well-read uh, improvised book reader. Um, I don't do it. I've read maybe five or six, uh, and I know that there are many, many, many more out there. Yeah, I have a bunch. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I buy lots of improv books. I think it's safe to say I buy more improv books than I read. I yeah. have every book that that's like come out recently. I got you know I have T.J. and Dave's book, but I haven't read it. Yeah, uh, I have. Uh, I, I mean, I won't list all the books I haven't read. That seems mean to the people who wrote them. But I've, <laughs> I have a, I have, I buy all the books to support improvisers, but I don't read them all because I'm, I'm similar to you. I. I like taking workshops. I like learning. I like thinking. I like talking about improv. Uh, yep. Reading other people's thoughts about improv is sometimes inspiring, but uh, not not nearly as inspiring as as doing the work. Uh, 
That said, I do have a sort of set books that I recommend to people. So, like, yep. depending on the stage of their improv career, I kind of recommend these three books, which is like uh, Impro, the first Keith Johnstone book, Impro. Yes. I recommend for very beginner improvisers that are just starting to think about improv because it has, like, some nice, uh, uh, nice like, lead into how he came to his thoughts about improv and his mm-hmm. life leading up to it, which I think is, like, some good, inspiring, like, oh, that's why improv is so good to learn, right? Like, so I think that's a good one uh and then i recommend truth and comedy for more middle of the road improvisers who are first yep. getting into heralds and stuff like check it out it'll tell you about a herald i don't teach that herald but it's the one in the book so you should know it uh and then and then the other one i i often recommended is improvised by mick napier yep uh just because it has that very uh challenging your assumptions about what improv is element to it that's like mm-hmm. <clears throat> all the rules of improv throw them away uh you don't need them you just need this and then he explains his theory of improv but but that part is not as important as the idea that these rules aren't really rules and i think that those three books are nice it recommends for for improvisers depending on the stage of their improv but most of the yeah. time i'm like you i recommend storytelling books i'm like you should read joseph campbell <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah, support kind of we we improvise with storytellers. Understand the art of storytelling. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Uh, understand that kind of thing. Uh, Jill Bernard's book is also worth a, a, a oh, mention. Yeah. I have uh, ten of them. Uh, I have ten. Yeah, <laughs> I bought a bulk. I bought a bulk ten set of them. So I have a bunch. Uh, which is a, a cute little book. What's it called? A, a cute I think little it's book. It's Jill of Bernard's cute little book of improv. I got. I yeah. Got some um, but yeah, it's a, it's always fun for for people to to be reminded of those very simple obvious things that and it's are, just are, perfectly written like it's so little yeah. and like illustrated and it's yeah great. it's fantastic so uh yeah so there's my confession uh, uh early in my improv career i read a bunch but uh recently i haven't read a whole bunch yeah me too and yeah. I, I think that i don't think those improvisers were writing their books for us this is the other yeah. thing i think uh, why i don't really feel bad because i know Someone writing their theory of improv is writing for newer improvisers who are looking for a theory to latch onto uh, mm-hmm. to get them through it. Whereas you and I, we're, we're just uh, – we, we, we have our theories. We have our ideas. We, we talk and debate them. We don't need yeah. we don't need to read a whole book about your idea. Just tell me, and then we'll talk. And um, I think a good I, 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 well, we've mentioned this in the past, but I think a good improviser is a confluence of all those ideas. You know what works for you, what works for uh, don't don't just shut yourself into one style, one thing. You know, take this idea, match it up with this idea. What what resonates with you is going to be different from each particular school or each particular book. So so let them coexist. Don't don't think that they have have to exist in silos. Um, if something works from one practice and something else works from another practice, you can make it those things join through your practice, and that that makes your practice something individual, mm-hmm. something that that you're bringing to the stage uh, in your interpretation of them. So yeah, I don't think you should you should you know subscribe to one or or, or yeah. the other. But if you are going to subscribe to one theory, I would highly recommend a book called The Bible. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? That was a joke. That was a joke. I'm offended. I'm <laughs> and offended. it might not have been an appropriate joke to make at this time, but it seemed uh, it came to me. It seemed like a funny book recommendation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, nice one, man. Nice, nice, nice talking to you today. <laughs> Yeah, good talking to you too. I'll catch up with you next time. Yeah, let's stop. And I promise I'll think about you in between times I'm talking to you, but I probably won't reach won't. out and say anything. Uh. I'm not even going to think about you. <laughs>
All right, man. I'll see you later.